This is a special Sunday for us in the life of the church. This is All Saints Day. It is a time when we pause to remember those saints who since last All Saints Day of 2019 have gone to be with the Lord. At the appropriate time when your loved one's name is called, you will be asked to stand in honor of them. We not only remember those saints who have died here within this community of faith, but we're called to remember the saints of all times. Saints, that special name that was found in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, they're referred to as a cloud of witnesses. I want you to take a moment just to Imagine the cloud of witnesses, saints who have died over the centuries. Which names come to your mind? Don't, don't speak them aloud, but just think them mentally. What can we glean from their lives? What do we need to remember in order for us as followers of Jesus Christ to continue on so that we too one day will become a part of the cloud of witnesses? I will share with you that at the appropriate time as names are called, you may think that there are certain names that should have been mentioned that will not be mentioned in the life of, of this congregation. We recognize those names of individuals who have died since All Saints Day of 2019 and who have died prior to October 1st. Join me now in a word of prayer. Loving and gracious Lord our God, we give you thanks for this day. And we thank you for that great cloud of witnesses who surround us even today. Men, women, boys and girls who've been faithful to you all the days of their lives and who continue now to encourage us to live faithful lives as well. Speak now to these, your people. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. I recognize that many of you are experiencing a sense of anxiety. You're experiencing a sense of dread. Because on Tuesday, November 3rd, there will be an election. But I want to remind you of something that our liturgist Penny said earlier. Let me rephrase it. The same Jesus Christ who is Lord and Savior on November 1st, will be the same Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, on November 4th. The same God who holds the world in his hands on today, the sovereign God, on November 1st, is the same sovereign God who will hold the world in his hands on November 4th. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called 
to remind those who do not know Jesus Christ that this world is not all that there is, but there is a world that awaits us where the fullness of God's kingdom will take place. And Jesus Christ and God will reign forever and ever and ever. That's good news for us on November 1st. Amen? So the question has to be asked, how are we to live this life? In the epistle lesson, 1 John, that was read to you, you were reminded that we are to be like Jesus the Christ. We are not to be imitators of the world. We are to be imitators of the one who has died for us and who now reigns at the right hand of God the Father. What does that look like to be imitators of him? Well, I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. What does it mean for us to run this race? First and foremost, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus the Christ, not on a culture, not on a human being, not on a particular party. We are to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who in the first century began such a movement that it is described as literally turning the world upside down. Jesus Christ, who determined that those who will follow him would come with a new identity that was so unlike the world that they would be referred to as his disciples. Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for you and for me, who continues to call us to be his light in a world of darkness, to be the salt that will flavor humankind that has become so cynical, so disparagingly evil. He is calling us, his disciples, to be his example in the world. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, whatever is tripping you up from running the race, lay it aside. Whatever is preventing you from seeing Jesus Christ high and lifted up as your Lord and Savior, lay it aside. Whatever is preventing you from giving your all to Jesus Christ so that he can shape you and mold you, so he can shape me and mold me more and more into his likeness, give it up. Be it allegiance to human beings, be it allegiance to self-preservation, be it allegiance to wealth, whatever it is, give it up and take on the fullness of Jesus Christ. You see, in order for the next generation to have faith in Jesus Christ, 
They will need to see examples of Christ's disciples giving up that that the world says we need to take hold of, power and position and prestige, superiority, beating others down so that we can look good standing up. They need to see a people known as Jesus' disciples who are willing to turn away from what the church, from what the world offers as life and take hold of what Jesus offers as life and life more abundantly, the fullness, the completeness of life. In order for the next generation to have faith, they must see that when we talk about being followers of Jesus, the Christ, it's more than just lip service. It's a lifestyle. That is why we have faith today, isn't it? Because the saints of old who pledged their allegiance to Jesus Christ chose to turn away from the lures of the world and follow Jesus, this Jesus whose teachings were so radical that he had to form a new people within himself. He had to teach them what it meant to be his disciples. And I would suggest to you today that the church, the church must be intentional about reclaiming her office of teacher, because today, disciples of Jesus Christ must know what it means to be a disciple. Yes, to be a disciple means that we are in God's likeness. We think, we act, we behave in the likeness of God. And for those who like to use that, that three-letter word, God, in so many ungodlike ways, we have Jesus Christ to show us the pure example of God in the flesh of what God's likeness looks like. Yes, we're called to run the race that is set before us as disciples of Jesus Christ so that that next generation will become disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes. There will be persecution. Yes, there will be people who will turn against us. And yes, some of us may even lose our positions because of our unwillingness to compromise what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a people of truth, a people of honesty, a people of integrity, a people who will not compromise for the sake of getting along. Yes, I'm mindful of, of the clouds of witnesses, including the saints whose names we will be mentioning soon. They ran the race in spite of the persecution. And we can run the race too because, you see, we know how the story's going to end. We've read the end of the book, haven't we? Revelations, very, Revelations chapter 9 and also chapter 21 are, are very clear. In chapter 9, we see people gathering and worshiping the awesome living God and Jesus Christ. 
people whose robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, people who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. And in Revelations 21, we are reminded that at the culmination of life, where eternal life is ushered in into its fullness, there is a, a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. There is no sin. There is no evil. The people have gathered again to worship the awesome living God. So what's hindering you? What's hindering me from running the race that's set before us? That will proclaim to those who know us that we are true followers. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, here's the good news. Whatever it is today, you can bring it before Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and confess it and trust him to help you to deal with it. And let me tell you about confessions of sin. We've talked about this before, but in closing, let me just remind you, as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 states, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So when we confess it, what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that we've been forgiven of that sin. There are some sins that have impacted our lives in, in such a way that we may not feel like who we've been forgiven, but the word of God says we're forgiven. There are some sins that will not leave us immediately, but will require assistance from professionals and from others to help us to deal with them. But the forgiveness of the sin has taken place. Yes, we read the end of the story. And we know that in spite of what this life has to offer, as we continue to run the race that is set before us, the race of discipleship, the race of becoming more and more and more like Jesus the Christ as revealed in God's word, we will become more like God. And that is good news. Glory be to God. Loving God, we thank you we thank you, we thank you, we thank you so much that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're on this journey that will lead us ultimately into your presence. Give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the desire to continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ so that that generation that is coming behind us will be able to say yes, they were faithful to the call of discipleship. Yes, they were faithful to live their lives in such a way that I want to imitate them as they imitated the life of Jesus Christ. So help us to continue to keep our eyes 
focused on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus the Christ. Amen.